All right, so um, today's daf, daf tezvav, um, that's daf 15. Okay, is really based off a Mishnah on daf Yud Gimel. Um, so Mishnah, okay, hello, hi, Aki. Um, we're just getting started. Um, so daf tezvav, and um, daf tezvav is really based off a Mishnah on daf Yud Gimel. Um, when the Mishnah Daf Yud Gimel um, records a machlokis between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, okay, that uh, Beis Shammai is of the opinion that a tzoras erva um, is completely mutter. So that means uh, all 15 cases that the first Mishnah discussed, the Mishnah said, Hotros tzorosayin, v'tzoros tzorosayin. We said that any, any co-wife that they have is, um, is completely removed from Yibum. Um, and uh, um, and and there's no halacha of yibum whatsoever. Beis Shammai completely rejects that. Beis Shammai completely disagrees with that Mishnah, um, and they hold that there's no such halacha. Um, and the halacha is that the tsaras erva is completely permitted in yibum. Not only, and if we say that she's completely permitted in yibum, that means she's obligated in yibum. Now, um, Rashi explains that uh, the, the basis for Beishamai is they make a drasha. Beishamai makes a, a drasha from the Pasuk that says, that, uh, So the simple translation is that the wife of the dead, uh, of the dead brother, the wife of the, uh, of the brother who dies, shall not go outside, um, outside of Yibum and marry a stranger. Okay, so that means it's a prohibition to love against the uh, the the yivama from going out and marrying somebody else uh, before um, instead of yibum or chalitza. Now Beishamai, however, makes a different drasha out of it, and Beishamai says losia the outside wife. Now, what does it mean, the outside wife? The outside wife means the tsaras erva, the other wife. So the other wife. The tzoras erva is forbidden to ishzar. Okay, so she's forbidden from marrying somebody else, meaning she is obligated in yibum. So Bishamai makes a drasha that that the tzoras erva is obligated in yibum. So uh, therefore, she's going to need yibum or chalitza. Uh, um, she's uh, in order, and if she wants to marry somebody else then she would have to go through with Chalitza. Now, the Mishnah records that there's really two sides of this machlokas, right? Um, number one, Beishamah is going to hold that she's forbidden from marrying somebody else, right? Um, and the flip side of that is, according to Beishamah, she needs Chalitza. Now, we know that Midrabanon, and Midrabanon, a Chalitza, a woman who had Chalitza, is forbidden from marrying a Kohen. Now, it's not Teiraisa. Okay, because Midaraisa, only a Grusha, only a divorced woman is, is forbidden from marrying a Kayan. But Midrabanan, since a Chalutza is somewhat similar to a, um, a Grusha because she was forbidden and then she requires something in order to, uh, to permit her, so the Chachamim said that she's forbidden from marrying a Kayan. Now, according to Beishamai, she had Chalitza. According to Beishamai, she had Chalitza, and therefore she needs, uh, therefore she's forbidden to a Kayan. However, according to Beishilel, Right, there was no chalitza that took effect whatsoever. Okay, there's no chalitza that took effect whatsoever. Um, and therefore, she's permitted to marry a coin. So even if they went ahead and did the chalitza, it's meaningless, um, and she's permitted to marry a coin. Okay, so the Gemara 
now on Daf Tesvav. Well, it really starts a little earlier, but the Gemara on Daf Tesvav continues it. Um, and the Gemara, um, the Gemara asks a question. Uh, when Beis Shammai recorded their opinion, okay, and Beis Shammai disagrees with Beis Hillel, so the halacha is that Beis Shammai b'mokom Beis Hillel ain't a mission. That Beis Shammai's opinion has no validity whatsoever when they argue against Beis Hillel. Um, so a machlokis Beis Shammai Beis Hillel, Beis Shammai is, is completely invalid, it's written off, and uh, the halacha always follows Beis Hillel. Now the question is, did Beis Shammai themselves accept this ruling? And they accepted upon themselves that even though they were of the personal opinion that Allah should be one way, right? But uh, they accepted this ruling that Allah follows Beis Hillel, um, and they never followed their own opinion. So do we say, in the, in the Gemara's recording, Asu or Lo Asu? Did they do, meaning did they, they, did they um, create the Halacha according to their opinion, Asu? Did they do according to their opinion? Or loasu that they followed Basil and they didn't follow their opinion. Okay, so um, so the Gemara is going to try and bring rayos. It's going to try and bring proofs as to whether or not asu or loasu, whether or not they uh, they followed the opinion of uh, whether or not they followed their own opinion um, or not. Okay, so the Gemara says, and it's uh, really starting. Um, the, the Gemara is really starting um, right at the bottom of that Yudalad Amud Beis, 14. And the Gemara says that that the Gemara says that we have a question. Okay. Uh, what is the halacha um, in, in this question of Tzara Sarifa? And the Gemara says, uh, what should we do if we follow the opinion of Beis Shammai that they're permitted in Yibum, right? But according to Beis Hillel, that they're forbidden in Yibum. Anytime the woman is forbidden from Yibum, she's excluded from Yibum, then we revert back to the fact that she's an Eshesach, right? Then she was married to this person's brother, and Eshesach is forbidden, and it's a Chiv Kares. So if we're going to follow the opinion of Beishil, of Beishamai, that means according to Beishil, the, any child born would be a Mamzer. So we certainly can't go with that. However, the flip side of that, is that if we don't follow the opinion of Bishamai, right? And that means that um, that means that we're going to allow this woman to uh, to marry a stranger to go out and uh, say there's no obligation of Yibum or Chalitza. She's going to marry a stranger without Chalitza, right? So then the Vlad is going to be what we call Pogum. The Vlad is going to be forbidden from marrying a coin because any woman who any marriage that's forbidden. Any child that comes from that marriage is forbidden from marrying a Kohen. It's called uh, a Vlad Pogum. Right? So the Gemara says that maybe, okay, maybe what we should do is, Rav Yochanan ben Nuri says, that maybe we should, uh, there's a way of bypassing this. How are we going to bypass this? Because we'll say, we'll create a new halacha, a new opinion, right? And we will, in other words, we will publicize the halacha that we should go through with, with chalitza. Because with chalitza, we avoid both problems, right? We're not going to allow yibum, right? We're not going to allow yibum because of the Beishamah's opinion that she's an Ashes ach, right? Um, and we're not going to allow, uh, I'm sorry, because of Beis Hillel's opinion that she would be an Ashes ach, right? Which would create a Vlad Mamzer, a Sechiv Kores. And uh, we're not going to allow her to marry 
without any sort of uh, any sort of yibum or chalitza, right? We're going to require chalitza to, to satisfy the opinion of Beishamai, right? So the Gemara says that they didn't reach a, a clear opinion, right? And uh, they didn't reach a consensus on this until Nitra for Hashor, which uh, we say that it means Nitra for Hashor that, uh, that uh, there, was, um, there was war that broke out. Um, there was persecution. There was war from the Romans that broke out. Um, and they were unable to convene a Besden to make a, a clear opinion that should be publicized. Um, and uh, therefore, this halacha never became publicized and was never accepted in Klai Yisrael. Now, Rav Shimon Gamliel says, Rav Shimon Gamliel answered him, he said that, uh, that what you're doing is, is not proper. Trying to create this halacha that we should require chalitza is not proper. Why not? Because retroactively, any, any woman who had already right, gone out and married a stranger following the opinion of Beis Hillel, Right? Now, according to you, now they're going to need chalitza, and there's no way to correct that. Okay? Now, says the Gemara, why is there no way to correct that? Let them do chalitza now. Let them do chalitza now. You're right. What happened in the past that they went out and got married, there's nothing we can do about it. But for the future, let them do chalitza now, even though she's already married. Right? But the chalitza can still take effect from the brother. Um, and then that will satisfy, at least for the future. So the Gemara says a very interesting answer. The Gemara says that, um, that we cannot require chalitza because if we require chalitza, essentially what we're going to be saying to her current husband is that really when you married her, she was forbidden to you, right? Now that's going to create a situation where the husband is going to be repulsed by her. He's going to be repulsed by the idea that this is a woman that he really uh, was forbidden to and he married her, right? And says the Gemara, that uh, we have a concept that we can never apply a halacha in the Torah, which is going to place people in an impossible situation, which is going to place people in a situation where they will be harmed by this halacha um, and have no way of fixing it. Okay, so therefore we cannot create a halacha of requiring chalitza because retroactively all these women who had already married, right, are going to be now placed in a situation where they're going to be repulsive to their husbands. Now, the Gemara says, this would seem to be a proof that we followed the opinion of Beishamai, right? Um, that we followed the opinion of Beishamai because the Gemara says that, uh, the Gemara says that, um, the Gemara is saying that, we're, that what should we do for the women that are already married, right? For the women that are already married, which means we're following the opinion of Beishamai, right? So the Gemara says that, um, that we're not really referring to the, the, the children, right? The Gemara's initial assumption was that we're referring to the children that were produced from this marriage, right? And we're going to say that they're going to be mamzerim, right, in the past, right? And the Gemara says that we can't require such a halacha, which will, um, which will essentially set up the, the, the children as being mamzerim. Now, why would they be mamzerim only if we're going to take the opinion of Beishamai and apply it to its full extent? We're going to take the opinion of Beishamai and say that, uh, that we're going to, we're, that we're going to uh, treat these children as mamzerim. So the Gemara says no. That uh, no. What we're doing is that the question at least was that we should follow the opinion of Beishamai as a basic chumrah. In other words, it doesn't, it's not going to do any harm. 
we might as well follow Bishamai, right? Because we're going to allow her to remarry, to marry somebody else. But let's require Chalitza because why not? At least we'll satisfy Bishamai's opinion as well. And since it's just a simple Chumrah, there's no reason not to go ahead with it. And on that, the Gemara said that it's not so simple. Right? It's not so simple because by doing this, we're going, to, we're going to create a situation where retroactively they're going to be repulsive to their husbands. And therefore, there is harm that comes out. Um, and uh, since there's harm that comes out, we are, uh, we're not going to apply this halacha. Okay. So I want to move on a little bit to a case um, of a little bit down halfway, um, uh, halfway down the case. Uh, halfway down the, the, the Amud here, and the Gemara says, Toshma, that there was Maaseb Bito Sharab and Gamliel. Okay, um, that uh, there was a story with um, a case with the daughter of Rabban Gamliel that she was married to an Erva. Okay, she was married to someone who would be forbidden, and he died without children. And Rabban Gamliel himself went and uh, went ahead and uh, did Yibum on the Tsar. Okay, so Rabbi Gamliel went ahead and did Yibum on the Tzara. Okay, now it says the Gemara that, uh, that um, Rabbi Gamliel was from Talmidei Beishamai. Rabbi Gamliel was a student of Beishamai, right? And uh, how could it be that, uh, that uh, sorry, that you see that Rabbi Gamliel followed the opinion of Beishamai, right? Because he went ahead and did Yibum. Okay. It was Beis Hillel, right? What? It was Beis Hillel, no? What? I'm sorry. What? The Mangamil is from Beis Hillel, no? Right? Rashi says. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Right. I'm sorry. Just the opposite. Right. Mangamil was an, was a was a descendant of Hillel, actually. Right. And since he was a descendant of Hillel, it can't be. How could it be that he followed the opinion of Beishamai? So the Gemara says that uh, this was an entirely different story. The daughter of um, of Rabban Gamliel was an islandess. The daughter of Ram Gamliel was an islandess. She was a woman who never developed. Um, she never hit puberty. She never developed into a woman. And therefore, um, therefore, we, we, uh, we say that her marriage was completely a mekachtos. Right? It, was, it was a mistake because nobody wants to marry an islandess. She's not capable of having children at all. And uh, had the husband known that she was, right, he never would have married her. Therefore, the marriage never took effect whatsoever. Right? Um, me, me, uh, uh, me, from the very beginning, the marriage was a mistake, right? And uh, therefore, it never takes effect. And therefore, the tsara is permitted to Rabban Gamliel because she's not really a tsara. She's not a co-wife. She's not a tsara's erva because the uh, because his daughter was never really uh, was never really married to this individual. Okay, so now says the Gemara. However, right. Uh, this is only the opinion of Amir. The Gemara says, Some say she was an islandess. Now it seems like uh, if some say that she was an islandess, that means that there are others who disagree and say that she was not an islandess. Right? And according to them, how could it be then that Rabbi Gamliel married her? So the Gemara says that, uh, the Gemara says no. We'll offer a different interpretation. Uh, one interpretation is that, um, that he married her um, and then he divorced her. Another interpretation is, and this is the uh, the one I want to discuss, is that there's the machlokus is yesh tenai bebiya or in tenai bebiya, which means that uh, that there are three ways that a husband can, that a, that a man can marry a woman can perform kedushin. 
Um, one is Kesef, with money or anything that uh, has the value of money, which is the one that we do, right? Uh, we use a ring um, and we, we perform Kedushin with the ring. The other is with a star, with a document. And the third is with Bia, that a man can, can, um, can have relations with the woman and that itself should serve as the Kedushin. Okay, now there's a machlokas, whether or not that uh, we, we say automatically, if he, if he was Makadish Bekesef with money or with a star, right, then if it turns out that there was a tonight in that Kedushin, meaning he married her on a certain condition, he married her on a condition that she's going to uh, give him a certain sum of, sum of money, or he married her on a condition that she has no vows that she had taken that he doesn't know about. Um, and then it turns out that uh, the condition is not fulfilled. So then the Kiddushin is Batel. <coughs> Do we say that's a Mekach The Kiddushin is Batel, um, and it doesn't take effect whatsoever. Um, and retroactively, it's, uh, it takes no effect whatsoever. However, the Samachlokis, let's say he did Kiddushin Bibia. Okay, let's say he did Kiddushin um, through Bia. Um, then do we say that, the, that, uh, that a condition that he made also takes effect and retroactively we would say that Kedushin is not a Kedushin at all? Or perhaps here we're going to say that no, there's a difference. And Rashi says the difference is like this, that we have a concept, a person does not want, okay, that his via that he did, these relations that he had, should be outside of marriage, should be, right, uh, should be what we would call a biasnus, right? It's a, uh, he's having relations with a woman outside of marriage, right, which is forbidden. He doesn't want that to be the result of his bia, And therefore, Rashi says that if he went ahead and did Kiddushin through bia, that means that he's having in mind that regardless, even though he might have made a condition, right, he wants the Kiddushin to take effect regardless, even if the condition is not met. Because what will happen if the Kiddushin will not take effect retroactively? That means that retroactively, the bia, the relations that they had are a bia sinus, they're outside of marriage. And he doesn't want that to happen. So therefore, he automatically will say that his bia, that uh, the Kedushin should take effect. Now, that's the opinion of Rashi. Um, the Ritva and the Rajba quote a, uh, the Ritva and the Rajba quote a Raivan, okay? And uh, they say as follows. That is entirely different explanation for why a Tanai doesn't take effect on a Kedushin of bia. And they say as follows. That uh, the source for this concept that a person can make a condition. How do we know that a person can make a condition and that, uh, that condition that he makes, right, can, can be mavatel, the Kedushin, right, can, can say retroactively the Kedushin didn't take effect or, or if a person bought something, let's say, or sold something on a condition, how do we know that uh, if the condition is not met, then retroactively it doesn't take effect? The sale would not be a sale, let's say. So we have to have a source for it. And the Gemara says the source okay, is from Tanai B'nai God U'b'nai Ruven. We find in the Torah, there's an instance where a Tanai, a condition was made. What condition was made? That uh, the B'nai God and the B'nai Ruven, Shevet God and Shevet Ruven, they approached Moshe and they said that we don't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. We want to take our Nachala, we want to take our portion here on Ever Ayardin, outside of Eretz Yisrael, um, on the other side of the Jordan River. And Moshe makes a tonight with them. What did Moshe say? Moshe said as follows. If you go, ahead, if you will go and you will serve in the army, meaning you will be part of the army 
that will go into Eretz Yisrael and help conquer the land, then after the, the conquering is finished, the, the conquest is finished, then you'll be able, you will inherit this land outside of Eretz Yisrael and uh, your, your request will be fulfilled. However, okay, if you do not fulfill this condition, then you will not get this land and you'll have to take your portion that you were supposed to get in Eretz Yisrael. Now, there's a number of halachos that we learn out from Tanai B'nei Gadu B'nei Ruve. Number one is we learn out that the Tanai has to be repeated twice because we find in the Torah that Moshe repeats the Tanai, the condition, two times. And therefore, the statement, the two aspects of the condition have to be repeated twice. But there's another point that we learn out. And that is the Tanai B'nei Gadu B'nei Ruven is something that is capable of being fulfilled by a shliach. Okay? It's capable of being fulfilled by a messenger because the Tanai B'nei Gadu B'nei Ruven, they could have had messengers that would go ahead and lead the, uh, and lead the army. Okay? They could have had others who would do it. And uh, since they could have had others, it's a Tanai that could be fulfilled by a condition. And therefore, we learn out that Tanai can only take effect in an instance of something that could be fulfilled um, by a messenger. Now, obviously, um, Bia is not something that be, could, could be done by a messenger, right? It would have to be done right, by the husband, by this person himself who wants to marry the woman. And therefore, says the Rivad, uh, says the Rivad quoted by the Rajva and the Ritva, that uh, since, since Bia is not something that be, could be fulfilled through a messenger, that's why it's excluded by and that's why the condition will not take effect at all. Okay. Um, okay, the next case that uh, I wanted to discuss, um, so the Gemara attempted to bring some other proofs there, and the Gemara brings a case from uh, Rabbi Akiva. Um, Rabbi Akiva harvested estrogim, um, and uh, there's a halacha that, uh, of maser um, that has to be taken off, from fruits that are harvested, okay? And, um, and there is a seder, so there's meiser rishon, which is given to the levy, but then there's something called meiser sheni, um, and mice, there's something called meiser sheni and meiser ani, okay? Which are two um, different, uh, two different masrot. Meiser sheni has to be taken by the owner up to Yerushalayim, and it's eaten there in Yerushalayim. Meiser ani is given to the poor people, and they switch off. They don't apply in the same year. So Meiser um, Shani um, applies in the first, second, fourth, and fifth years. Meiser Ani applies in the third and the sixth year. Sixth year. Okay. And Rabbi Akiva went ahead. Now, how do we decide when the year changes? Okay. So how do we decide when the year changes? When do we say that it's now the second year and then it goes into the third year? So the Gemara says, uh, the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah says, that uh, brings the machlokes beishama in beisilel whether it's the the rosh chodesh shvat or whether it's tu b'shvat. Now Rabbi Akiva went and he harvested between between rosh chodesh and tu b'shvat. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, uh, therefore, he what did he do? So it sounds like he wanted to fulfill both opinions. What did he do? He took off master sheni and master ani. He took off extra. So he took off Maser, gave it to the Ani, and he took off Maser Sheni, brought it up to Yushalayim, and ate it with the Kedusha of Maser Sheni. Now, says the Gemara, Bechorah, that would seem to be a proof that uh, Rabbi Akiva followed the opinion of Beishama. So we see that Beishama will follow their opinion even in a Machlokas against Beishama. So the Gemara says an interesting answer. The Gemara says 
that uh, meaning how, how does it help us for for the, the proof also could be him in other so, words, if, so Rabbi, if Kiva followed both, Rabbi, Rabbi Kiva followed both both sheets of the Chumrah, he was saying, so what? So what? Because how could he? What mean, he's not Beishamai. What? How does it prove that did Because what we mean to say by Asu Kedivrayim is that that they don't disregard their psak. They still held that we can follow our opinion, as opposed to saying that uh, Beishamai accepted upon themselves that the halacha follows Beishila and they completely put their opinion aside. Okay, so, um, so the Gemara answer is very interesting. The Gemara says that, uh, that it wasn't that, Be- uh, that Rabbi Akiva was following the opinion of Beishamai, but rather Rabbi Akiva was unsure whether the op- what the opinion of Beishila was. Okay, meaning he was unsure what the two sides of the Machlokas was. He was unsure whether it was Beishila who said Rosh Chodesh um, and Beishamai held uh, to Bishvat, uh, or maybe it was the opposite. Beishamai said Rosh Chodesh and Beishilil held to Bishvat. Now, since he was unsure what the opinion of Beishilil was, right, he followed both sides right, in order to fulfill both possibilities of Beishilil. So it's not that he was following Beishamai, but rather um, he, was, um, he was trying to fulfill both possibilities of Beishilil. Okay, and the Gemara continues with another case. The Gemara says that uh, recorded in the Mishnah and Sukkah is that um, Rabbi, uh, Shammai himself had a, uh, his daughter-in-law had a baby and she was unable to uh, come out to the Sukkah. And so she was inside the house and Ram Gamliel opened up the roof, uh, I'm sorry, Shammai opened up the roof of the house, put schach over it um, in order to create a Sukkah for her. Now, even though we hold, according to the opinion of Hillel, that Nashim, that women are, are peturos from sukkah completely. So it seems like Shammai held of his halacha, even in the face of Hillel. So the Gemara answers, the Gemara answers that it's not forbidden to follow the opinion of, of Shammai. It's not forbidden to, to like, uh, like Akiva Meir was saying, it's not forbidden to accept a, a, uh, a chumrah, of Beishamai. A person can, can say that really I'm following the opinion of Beishul, but uh, I want to fulfill the opinion of Beishamai also, um, and it's okay to have a Chumrah. However, to do something publicly, which is following the opinion of Beishamai, that we wouldn't do. That would be forbidden to do. Now, how do we, do? And, and therefore, um, if Shammai went ahead and publicly opened up the roof and to build a sukkah, right, where other people are going to see this, then uh, that should be forbidden for him to do. So the Gemara says that it's not considered publicly following the opinion of Shammai because uh, people who see it can simply say that he, he opened up the roof in order to bring air into the, uh, in order to open it up and bring fresh air into the room. And it's not clear, it's not obvious that he's creating a sukkah and therefore it's permitted for him to keep the chumrah because it wasn't obvious that he's doing the opinion of Shammai. Okay, so the Gemara now goes on to an interesting case. The Gemara says that... Um, there was a shokes Yehu, Shahosab Yushalayim. Um, there was a a a, uh, a trough that was uh, that was open uh, that was in Yerushalayim that was filled with water. Okay, and that trough is what we would call Mayim Shuvim. It's water. That trough counts as a keli, counts as a vessel. Okay, and uh, and the water that would be in it <coughs> would not be valid as a mikvah. However, it was it was open. 
there was a, a small hole that connected it to um, that connected it to a mikvah, okay. That was uh, that was uh, right next to it. There was a mikvah that was that was uh, right next to it that was adjacent to it, and there was a small hole that connected it to that mikvah. So therefore, since the water was connected, that creates a halacha called hashaka. That when you have water connected to a mikvah, then um, that water becomes kosher. Also, even if it was mayim sheuvim, becomes kosher, um, and it remains and it's considered a mikvah in and of itself. Now, um, the, Gemara, the Gemara says that there's a machlokes, what size this hole has to be. Beis Shammai is, uh, and um, the Beis Hillel holds that this hole has to be only kish for Ferris Hanod. It has to be the size of a, uh, of a, um, a, a, um, a, sorry, it's a uh, piece that was put in to, uh, it's a small piece that was the size of two etzbaos, two fingers. And if you have a hole that's that size, then that creates a mikvah kshera. Um, and uh, and uh, that's what we do uh, when in our mikvahs, we have a bar that's uh, rainwater that's underneath the mikvah, or I'm sorry, adjacent to the side of the mikvah. Um, and uh, and we, we have a, a hole in between them. And that, that allows us to use uh, water from the pipes and have uh, water that's filtered um, and um, and that's what makes a kosher for tevila. Now, Beishamai, however, holds that uh, it's only kosher if it's if the the wall in between them is nifchas rubo. It has to be open. The majority of that wall has to be open, connected to the mikvah. And what did Beishamai do? They went ahead, um, and they went ahead and they opened it up. Right? Um, they went ahead and they opened it up. So. Um, and uh, they opened it up to be rove, connecting it to the mikvah. Now, how did they do that, right? It sounds like they are following their opinion in the face of Beishilo. So the Gemara answers that here again, it's not considered obvious that they're following their opinion because uh, it could be that we would say that why did they do this? They did this because they wanted to increase the volume of the water flowing into this showcase. So they opened it up to uh, add more water to this showcase, not because they were clearly following their opinion. Okay, so I just want to take a, a step back to clarify this halacha of shvoferes hanod, um, of connecting a, uh, a mikvah um, water, which is ma'im shuvim, to a mikvah to make it kosher to be tovelin. Okay, and uh, the Rambam brings this halacha, okay, that, um, that you have to have, uh, that any mikvah which connects uh, any ma'im shuvim, any collection of water that uh, connects to a mikvah becomes kosher to be tovelin. Okay, um, the rush says that this halacha is only true if you have kishvo ferris hanot. You have to have the size of two etzbos, a hole the size of two etzbos connecting them. Now, the Shulchan Aruch bringing down this halacha, he says that um, he, he makes a distinction. He says it depends. Okay, if the psul of the mikvah, there are various things that can make the mikvah kosher or pasul, um, some of them are da'oraisa. Okay. And some of them are only Durabana. So this is as follows. If it's a Psulda or Raisa, then you have to have Kishvoferis Hanod, then you have to have a size of two etzbaos. However, if it's only Pasul Midurabana, then any hole, any size, right, even Kasaira, even a hair's breadth, that's enough to make it kosher. Okay. The Ramah brings that uh, the Allah should be that uh, even in 
a uh, even in a case of the Rabbanon, we're going to be machmir to say that it should be shvoferis anod. Now the um, there's uh, there's the question then becomes okay that um, let's say you you uh, you connect the two. Okay, you connect this uh, this bore of the mikvah to the water that's my shuvim. Okay, and then the hole gets closed up. So initially it was connected. Okay, and then the hole gets closed up. Okay, so <clears throat> the Shulchan Aruch says that it doesn't matter. Once you had this hole that connected the two, so then this halacha called hashaka again, um, and that means that the water once the water is connected, it becomes mayim ksherim for a mikvah. It becomes Water that's kosher for the mikvah, and therefore, um, and therefore, the um, therefore, even if you close the hole afterwards, it doesn't matter. It's already a kosher mikvah. It's already a kosher mikvah, and it doesn't matter. The mikvah is kosher to use. Okay, the shach says that he quotes Rabbeinu Yerucham, a Rishon, and he says that really we should be machmer for this; that it should always be open. However, the Pischei brings uh, from the Noda Yehuda, who disagrees very strongly, um, and he says that it doesn't have to be open at all, even if it's later connected, um, then uh, even if it's later disconnected, it still remains kosher. Now, the, um, the Taz brings a very interesting distinction, okay? And the Taz says like this, okay? If, if the mikvah had Arbaim Sar, it had 40 Sar in it, which is the minimum shear for a uh, for a mikvah? Okay, so then the even if that water was pasul, we say that once there was hashaka, it became kasher, and even if the hole is closed up afterwards, it remains kasher. Okay, however, um, if the mikvah was what we call chaser, okay, the mikvah had less than our boim saw. Okay, so then. Right then, it's kosher as long as it's connected to a mikvah that has forty saw in it. As long as you have a mikvah that has forty saw, so then it's connected, and we just add on. Let's say there's twenty saw in this uh, in this other board that the people are being tovel in, right? So we say that essentially what we have here is one big mikvah of sixty saw, right? Because it's directly connected to the one that already had forty saw. So then it's kosher as long as it's connected. However, says the Taz, that once it gets disconnected, okay, then even the Shulchan Aruch would agree that the, this mikvah is not going to be kosher anymore. And, and what he's saying is that there's a difference between the two. There's a difference in the lambdas of how we define uh, this halacha. If you had 40 saw, so then you have a, you have a mikvah, just as a mikvah psula. A mikvah psula can become kosher. You do a shaka, it becomes kosher, and then it remains kosher. Okay. However, if you have less than 40 saw, you don't have a mikvah at all. Okay. You don't have a mikvah. Now, if it's connected to another mikvah, then we'll just say it's one big mikvah and it's 60 saw, let's say, right? So then it's kosher because you, you have a mikvah now. But once it gets disconnected, you no longer have a mikvah at all. So you can't say that, oh, it was kosher earlier and it should remain kosher because you no longer have a mikvah. Um, and even if you had a mikvah kshera, let's say, Right, and then you took out some of the water, and you have less than forty saw. So then, uh, then it's going to become puzzle. And this would be the same case, right? And uh, would say that it becomes puzzle. Okay, um, I think that was uh, basically what I wanted to go through um, tonight. And basically, the Gemara really just continues um, with other cases of trying to prove 
whether or not Beishamai actually followed their opinion um, in the face of Beishil. And the Gemara goes back and forth, um, bringing um, all sorts of opinions for that. Um, but uh, this is what I wanted to go through with uh, for tonight. I think we'll uh, we'll stop here with this. Thank you.